appreciate these uh, fellows filling in for us while we're gone. I know I'll always leave you in good hands. Got some good preachers around here and appreciate the good job that they did and don't ever have to worry about it. And so that's always a blessing to be able to leave and know that everything's going to be took care of. And so we appreciate the Lord for that. Philippians chapter number two, we want to continue our thought on a healthy church. I was thinking about it tonight as I was driving down here. I tell you, the Lord has uh, allowed me to live out so many of my dreams. In the last couple of years, this church has really blossomed into what I felt like it could be all along. Uh, just folks coming in and getting help, and boy, that's why we put this building in this field, amen. And, and uh, uh, the Lord's allowed me to, to keep a full calendar this summer. I'm excited about it. I'll probably be wore out, but I'm excited and you know, I just, uh, I, t- I just think about how the Lord had allowed me to live out my dreams, a lot of them because of y'all, and I mean that, and the Lord's used y'all to allow me to go places and do things, and uh, boy, it's a, a privilege of mine. And uh, this, uh, Yesterday, I, they booked me in a, a meeting uh, under a tent with Ralph Sexton Jr. I was like, boy, oh, I never would have dreamed in all my life that I'd ever be mentioned, you know, on the, the same flyer as Ralph Sexton Jr., you know. I still think they probably called the wrong guy, but I'll take it. I'll take it. Philippians chapter 2. I want to read uh, first four verses. These are verses that we've dealt with before, uh, just recently, but uh, I felt like uh, it's where the Lord had for us to be tonight. So we think on uh, how to have a healthy church. You know, last time that I preached, I guess that's two Wednesday nights ago, I told you that uh, a healthy church loves sinners. And uh, they do. A church that's healthy loves sinners. And uh, when a church turns inward and only becomes a uh, keeper of an aquarium instead of a fisher of men, then that's when it starts to die. And, but a church that's healthy reaches out into the community and loves sinners. And I want to look at another uh, indicator of a healthy church tonight. Verse 1 of Philippians 2 says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that, I, that ye may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name that you'd help us tonight. Lord, our desire as a church body is to be healthy and thriving. And Lord, you told us how to do that in your Bible. And so I just pray that you'd help us to expound these uh, thoughts tonight. Do that as only you can, and we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, I was reading an article several years ago. There was a large church in Dallas, Texas. And uh, they had a very public split. Two factions inside of the church. Uh, started warring against one another, and it went so far that each side hired their own lawyers 
and sued the other side for control of the church. Well, it went into the uh, court system, and of course it made the newspaper, and it defamed the name of Christ pretty badly, how that they were arguing over this church. And uh, finally, the courts uh, kicked it out and said uh, the denomination's going to have to figure this out. And so the head of the denominations, they came down and they began to dig into it. And they started tracing it back, trying to figure out what had happened. And basically what they came up with was that this division all started when an elderly man uh, got a piece of ham at a church dinner that he didn't feel like was as big as a young boy in line in front of him had received. And out of that piece of ham, uh, not getting a big enough piece of ham, ended up a long litigation dragging the name of Christ through the mud and causing all that trouble. Now we laugh at that, but let's be honest, dotted across these hills in western North Carolina are churches that, that, that this one couldn't get along with that one and that one couldn't get along with that one. Dead carcasses where churches used to be, but uh, through strife and through vainglory and through troubles and through problems, uh, my friend, uh, they began to divide. Uh, and the first thing you know, those uh, divisions took root. And now what do they got? How many churches do you know of tonight across western North Carolina that have got one family in them, one family, and that one family runs the whole church. Now, y'all are nodding your head because you know it's true all over, all over the mountains of western North Carolina. One family running in the ground. They got a position of authority, and then they took over, and then they run everybody off that wasn't in their family. Amen. And uh, these divisions in the church ought not ever be. Did you know that one of the uh, most oft-repeated commands of the New Testament is that you love one another? Jesus said it again and again and again. He said, I would that you'd love one another. You can study in the Bible in Acts chapter number 8. They had a problem. The Grecians, the Christians that were from uh, that were from Greece. They didn't feel like their widows were being taken care of properly. And so the disciples set aside deacons, the first deacons in the Bible. The disciples or the apostles were so committed to unity in the church that if you read the list of deacons' names in Acts 8, you'll find that every one of those men had Greek names. Uh, in other words, they didn't say, let's put some Jews and let's put some Greeks and let, uh, or some, some Jews from Jerusalem and Jews from the Greek area, let's put them out. No, uh, they said, we, we want to get along. And so they appointed all Greek deacons uh, in order to take care of that problem. They were that committed to the church getting along. And can I say that a sign of a healthy church is that people begin to lose selfish attitudes. And so we've seen how that a healthy church loves sinners. Thank God for that. But a healthy church also has to lose uh, their selfish attitudes. Uh, I want to tell you that God wants the church to get along. Amen. 
Now, in verse 1 of our text, Paul asks some rhetorical questions, or he makes some rhetorical statements. He says, uh, he says there, if there therefore be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, well, all those things are true. And then he says, if those things are true, then there's some things I want you to do. Then he gives an overview. He names uh, these three things. He says, I want you to be like-minded. I want you to be of the same love. And I want you to be of one accord. Uh, Now, I'm going to just note those, and then I got three little things I'm going to give you out of these verses, and we'll be done tonight. But first, notice that Paul said, I want you to be like-minded. Now, that's an interesting word. It comes, uh, it's the Greek word A-E-R, air. It's where we get our word air. In other words, uh, Paul is saying just as naturally, I mean, all around us tonight is air. And without conscious thought, we're all breathing in tonight the same air. Paul is saying that's the way the mind of the church should be. Unconsciously, we're all of the same like-minded in Christ. Uh, Just as we're all breathing the same air, we ought to all be partakers in our minds uh, of the same grace and the same love uh, and the same knowledge uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. They said be like-minded. Then he went on and he said that you should have the same love. Let me say that a person that claims the name of Christ will exhibit that by love. Uh, There never, listen to this statement, there never has been such a thing as a Christian who lives a life of hatred and anger. Uh, Never. You see, a true Christian lives a life of love. Uh, That's one of the monikers of being saved. Uh, I believe it's one of the first things that happens to somebody when they get saved is God puts a love in their heart that they did not have before they got saved. Some people deal with anger. You know, anger is a spiritual problem. It is. I know everybody gets mad. I get mad. You get mad. Amen. You stand in the line at the airport in TSA, you get mad. Amen. But I'm going to say to you tonight that once we have the love of Christ set abroad in our hearts, we're able to temper and control our anger. We're able to control that because God has put a love in our heart. It's one of the greatest indicators of being saved is you love things that you didn't used to love. And so he said that we should be of the same love. Then he said that we should be of one accord. Now what does that mean? Well, the picture I got to studying on the word picture today, and it's like an orchestra. Have you ever seen a big orchestra? I mean, over here you got the woodwinds, and over here you got the trombones, and you got the, uh, you got the uh, trumpets, and you got the big bass drums. If everybody just played their own tune, it'd be a mess. I mean, if you had one fellow playing Yankee Doodle Dandy and another fellow over here playing, I don't know whatever kind of song it is, everybody would say, boy, that hurts my ears. But when the conductor gets up there, and he goes to putting them all where they need to be, <laughs> And he, he says, all right, we need a little woodwind right here. 
bring in the trumpets. Uh, he keeps the time over on the over on the trombones and over on the big. All of a sudden, beautiful music fills the hall. Everybody's playing their part. Uh, well, that's the picture of a church uh, that is in one accord. Uh, the Holy Spirit of God is the conductor, uh, and He'll stand up and He'll say, "All right, need a little preaching right here. Uh, gonna have to have a little singing now. Uh, need some testifying from this section right back here. Uh, need some uh, need some crying and hugging right over here." And He just orchestrates it, and boy, when the Holy Spirit's orchestrating and everybody's playing their part. Whoa, don't that make beautiful music? That is being of one accord, like an orchestra is put together. And then he goes on and he says, you got to be of one mind. One mind, one accord. And that is you must think as if you're thinking with the mind of others. What do you mean by that, preacher? Let me show you something right here I read after A.W. Tozer today, and I loved it. We can take this piano, and we can get Justice up here on it, and she can start playing it. Now, if I took a tuning fork and boom, tuned this ta- piano, and then Gabe gets his guitar up here, and he's going, or Trey gets the guitar up here and going to play along with Justice, and that guitar has been tuned to the same fork, then guess what? They're both tuned, what we call tuned to standard. And guess what? They sound just the same. Now, you don't have to, every time Trey's going to play his guitar, he don't have to have Judy come up here and say, okay, there's that note. Dung, 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 dung. Okay, I got that. No, no, no. Dung, 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 dung. No. Piano's tuned to a standard. Guitar's tuned to a standard. And when they play, they all make a sweet melody. Amen. I, can I say, I, I don't have to, if I want to be in one mind with you, I don't have to come to you and say, now, what is it you like? And how can I help? No, if I'll get in tune with him I, and you'll get in tune with him, I believe the Bible said, uh, if I walk in the light as he's in the light, we walk in the light as he's in the light, we'll have fellowship one with another. Uh, so what we need in the church uh, is everybody to tune to the same standard. Amen. Uh, and that is to get in in tune with the Lord Jesus Christ. If I'm in tune with Christ and you're in tune with Christ, uh, then we're in tune one with another. Uh, that's being tuned to the standard. My goodness. And so there is in these words. Then, let me give you three things here real quickly. Let me give you this. Number one, I want us to look tonight at the embarrassment of a Christian competition. Look what the Bible said there in verse 3. He says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. That word strife, it comes from a word that means to push oneself forward. It means to campaign for a position. I'll tell you what I've seen happen in churches. I've been around church a long time. I've seen people that will try and push for a position in a group. And they want to gather a group around them and be the center of the group. And then somebody else on the other side will be an opposing group and they'll push and try to gather somebody. You know what that does? That's strife. And Paul said, don't do anything through strife. 
So if your object in anything that you do in the church uh, is strife, if it's to gather a group, if it's to war against uh, another brother in Christ, then Paul said, don't do that. No, no. He said, stay away from strife. But then he said, vain glory. Somebody that wants vain glory, they want to shine as the stars in heavens. They want to say, look at my talents. Look at my success. Look at what all I've done. And I'll say this, social media has amplified that a million times. Let me take this to time out and tell you, don't compare your worst day with someone else's best day. Nobody ever gets on Facebook and says, me and the wife just had a knockdown drag out. It's been a terrible day. I cussed her up one side. She cussed me down the other, and I stormed out and slung gravel all over the driveway. We've had a terrible... Nobody gets on Facebook and says that. No, they post a selfie. Love my man. Love my woman. And then what some of y'all do when you're having a fight, you go, why don't I have a happy marriage like old so-and-so? They're all the time on Facebook talking about how much they love one. It's just they don't post about all that other stuff. All them up. Rest assured, there's problems in their life too. But you see, social media has fed into narcissism. In other words, this ideal that we live in a universe where everything revolves around us. A narcissist. You know what they say a lot? They say things like this. Everybody's jealous of me. No, everybody ain't jealous of you. Believe it or not, the world does not revolve around you. They say things like this, everybody's judging me. No, everybody ain't judging you. Believe it or not, there's a lot of people who could care less what you're doing. That's exactly right. They could, they could absolutely care less. They, they ain't even interested in what you're doing. But see, we get this idea that through vainglory that everything revolves around us. Preachers do it. I see preachers that are continually in a contest. It's like They've got to feel like they've won some sort of a competition, like they're coming out on top, uh, like their church is biggest and best and brightest, uh, like there's never any problems. Uh, I'm just here to say the Lord said don't do anything in vain glory. Hey, I'm not in competition with anybody in here. Well, I take that back. I was in competition with Brother Neil about reading my Bible, but he has so far got ahead of me that I ain't even competing anymore. I just quit. Amen. I didn't quit my Bi- reading my Bible. I just quit trying to keep up with Neil. Amen. Nothing. Listen, there's no competition. We're all on the same team. I know I've used this as an illustration before, but goodness, I've pastored here 25 years. You're going to have to hear the same illustration occasionally. Amen. I can remember when Trey was in first grade or kindergarten. They came to me and they said, we'd like for you to, we signed him up for soccer and they said, we'd like for you to coach his soccer team. I said, I don't know nothing about soccer. And they said, they're in, the, they're in kindergarten, that ain't no big deal. And I found out that was exactly right because when you're a coach of kindergartners and first graders in soccer, you spend the whole time screaming, same team, same team. That's the same team. Because they just, you, you, run, you say go, and they all run in there, and they're trying to take the ball away from one another and kick it wherever they can kick it. And so 
for about nine games, I stood on the sideline going, same team, same team. That's the same team. No, 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 same team. That's the same team. Boy, I hadn't ought to have to do that pastoring. I hadn't ought to have to look at y'all and go, same team now, same team. Y'all, let's play together now. Play nice. Same team now. Don't be taking a... I, I don't be doing that, Saint. No, no. I, you see, we ought to all, all be together. I, and not there's a tragedy when it comes to Christian. It's an embarrassment when it comes to Christian competition. That ought to be no such thing. But then there's the endorsement of Christian cooperation. Look what the Bible said there in verse 3, the, the last part of verse 3. It said, uh, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteems others better than themselves. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Right here is where old Brad struggles. As I get it in my mind, I can do anything. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I have never lacked for self-confidence. I think I can do that. I can do that. And I have learned the hard way over the years. There's a lot of things I can't do. <laughs> I thought I could, but I couldn't. See what I'm saying? So Paul said, we've got to bring the way we think down a little bit. There's a preacher one time, he was sitting at the breakfast table, and he was musing on Monday morning about what a fine job he had done preaching the Sunday before. And he said to his wife, he said, "Uh, honey, he said, really, how many fantastic, great, phenomenal preachers do you think exist in this world? She looked at him and thought a minute and said, well, I imagine one less than what you think. <laughs> See, a lot of times we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And so Paul said, you got to take that down a notch, bring your way of thinking, loneliness of mind, and esteem others better than yourself. How many church splits in Yancey County have started over something stupid that somebody just couldn't give up? Still, they could have said, that don't matter. uh, I'd like for it to be that way, but it it don't really matter. I I, I can give up on that. That's not that big a deal. It's not in the Bible. I can give up on that. And in order to get along and go along, I'll let you have your way. You win. Instead of doing that, bless goodness, I'll fight to the bitter end. Move the date of decoration on me, will they? Bless the Lord. Homecoming's always been the second Sunday in August, and I'm telling you right now, it ain't going to be the third Sunday in August. Her lips the devil if I have to split the church. Now I'm talking about mountain stuff. Huh? People just blistered up about something. Paul said, lowliness of mind, esteeming others better than yourself. You know, they asked Winston Churchill one time, they said, does it flatter you that every hall you speak in is full? He said, yeah, occasionally. It flatters me to look at all the people that come out to hear me speak. But he said, when I think about that, I remind myself that were I not giving a political talk, but instead were they going to hang me, the crowd would be twice the size of what it is to hear my political talk. Amen. So in other words, he said, I ain't all that. And you ain't either. You ain't either. And so we've got to get to this place where we say, well, 
you know, I want it this way, but Billy wants it that way, and there's nothing in the Bible really about it. And so if Billy wants it that way, I can give up the way I want it and let Billy have his way in order for us all to get along. Boy, that's pretty simple, ain't it? That's exactly what Paul's saying here. He's saying, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Then look at that verse number four, and I'm going to be done. The embodiment of Christian compassion. Look what the Bible said. The Bible said, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, that's one of them verses, if you take it out of context, you become a busybody. You say, well, the Bible said for me to look on the things of others. <laughs> so I'll just stick my nose in everybody's business. That's not what it's talking about. It's not. That's out of context. Instead, what it's saying here is that what interests others should be what interests you. You say, well, I ain't much on, I don't know, missions. I ain't much on missions. But if it's interesting to everybody else, then it ought to interest me. It interests the Lord. That might, might, might have been a bad example. That's in the Bible. Uh, I don't know. I ain't much on dinners. I don't know why you wouldn't be much on dinners, but maybe you're not. I don't know. But everybody else is interested in it, and if everybody else is interested in it, I'm supposed to not think with my own mind, but with their mind, and so I'll just try to get in there and help them with it. And that's how healthy church works together. I'm telling you, God can't do nothing in a church with a bunch of cliques. Or this one's mad at that, and that one's ill at this, and you got a little group over here and a little group over there. Now, far as I know, far as I know, there's not a single click in this building. I've been gone a week. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe some of you are like, we're Team Billy. Others of you are like, we're Team Trey. That don't leave many for Team Brad, I tell you what. But far as I know, there's not a single click or a problem. But can I just say this, church? If you see one developing, you ought to be the very first one to step up and stop it. You ought to say, whoa, 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 we're going to mess up a good thing right here. Let's, let's, not, let's, let's be careful right here. Let's not ruin what God's doing around here. Just because I'm puffed up the way I like it done. There's a lot of things that are my rappers. You know, I get... I know a lot of preachers that make a living out of preaching their rathers. But there's a lot of that stuff, Brother Allen, I have learned over the years to swallow. Now, if you don't, if you don't know what I think about it, don't ask me. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you my rathers if you ask me. There's a lot of them things over the years that ain't in the Bible that I've learned to go. In the interest of getting along, I'm going to let that go. And that is a moniker of a healthy church. So a healthy church loves sinners. And a healthy church loses selfish attitudes. It can't be about you. Now I'm going to make a statement right here and I'm closing. I appreciate this church. I appreciate the uh, 25 year anniversary win dig. Man, that made me feel special. I appreciate all you do for me and my family. 
But I want to tell you something. Don't put me on a pedestal. I put my britches on just like you do. I'm flesh and bones just like you are. Don't, don't put me up too high because that's a good way to get knocked off something. See what I'm saying? Don't put me up too high. Because the reality is I'm just no sinner saved by grace just like everybody else in this building. My desire is for all of us to get along in one accord and in love, esteeming one another higher than the other, thinking with a lowliness of mind. Boy, if we'll do that, God will use this church. God's been using this church. I'm telling you, it's uh, unreal. But if we'll keep ourselves where we need to be, there ain't no telling what God will do around here. We'll keep ourselves where we need to be. Let's stand our feet. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to preach tonight.